Join Kristen Ace in conversations about shifting our perspective and being more connected in a conscious way with the earth, each other, and ourselves. Share in the laughter, light, and illumination of Good Vibrations. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Good Vibrations with Kristen. Today, my guest is Corey Metlide. She is a psychic extraordinaire with an extraordinary story, and um, I'm going to dive right in and say, hi, Corby. It's great to be here. Thanks for asking me. Oh, thank you for coming on. I'm so excited that you are here. Um, I have, I want, first of all, I want our listeners to know a little bit about you. So can you just give us a quick overview of how you became a psychic, how that entered your world? Okay, this is what I often call the 30-second spiel. Great. When I was nine, I read a book called The Witch Family by Eleanor Estes. And instead of thinking, ooh, that's scary, or ha, 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 my thought was, and your point is, <laughs> I knew there was magic in the world, and I just had to find it. Fast forward to 1973, when I was a senior in high school, and working part-time at Spencer Gifts, as so many of us did. That was the year that Live and Let Die came out with Jane Seymour as Solitaire. Oh, yes. So they had the James Bond 007 tarot deck, and I bought it. I mean, we were all <laughs> hippies then. <laughs> So for 20 years, I read for friends, making sure that I kept my own ego out of the way so the readings were very clear. All of a sudden, in 1994, I could do hands-on healing and talk to dead people with no training. That's when I figured that God kind of handed me my draft notice, hello, you're working for me. Yeah, so oh, I, I would think so. Time until 9-11, when I looked at my husband as we watched the towers burn, and I said, I need to do this full time. People need to know there is something else out there. And he said, I believe in you. Go do it. And I've been doing it full time ever since. Wow, that's really amazing. I, how, how did you know you were talking to dead people? I mean, I understand that, but some of our listeners might not. You know you're talking to dead people, first of all, when you contact dead people that you knew, oh, 50 to 100 years ago. And you find out that all of the little bitty things they're giving you, like where they died, when it was on the calendar, where some of their friends got shipped for hospitals, none of this is extant now. The train stations are non-existent. The hospitals are non-existent. But you go back to World War One, and you go, bing, 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 bing. Everything mm. is lining up. And I knew nothing about World War One at that point. So, Corby, so, were they coming in in dreams, or were you having visions? Um, live and conscious, my dear. And it so, wasn't visions, and it wasn't dreams. So people were just dropping in and saying, hey, Corby. Basically, I am what one calls a door. Okay. In that souls that are caught in the gray spaces, mm -hmm. those parts of the personality that can't seem to get to the light, will gravitate to those of us who can see them. Mm -hmm. And I have an affinity for soldiers, okay. probably because the life I remember two lives ago was as a World War One pilot. Okay. So these people would show up in my living room, <laughs> and you know the the one that I remember best was a little German trench soldier. Um, he had half his face blown off. Oh. The rest of him looked perfectly normal, and he was clearly confused. And the thing they always want to know first is who won. And you have to explain, A, it was decades ago, and B, darling, it doesn't matter. Right. You get them to forgive who killed them. 
you get them to forgive themselves for what they did, and then usually we can get them right into the light. But I never, this is probably might be a weird question, but the first time In someone... Is this weird? <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs> I know, but... So the first time someone showed up with half their face blown off, were you a little freaked out, or were you like, oh, hi there? No, I understood because my own spirit guide's head explained to me, look, this is going to be happening. Uh, these would have been your comrades, and they need you. They trust your soul. Okay, so these were not people from your current lifetime, but from past lifetimes. That's correct. When I started to read current, currently dead people, um, that was simply a matter of trusting what I was getting. Right. I admit... Um, even though I've taken classes with John Holland, I don't do what I call fishing, especially not when I'm, you know, 15 minutes or a half an hour at a psychic expo. You need to get right there. Right. So I generally ask for the dog tags, the name, who they were, the year they died, and how old they were. That doesn't tell me anything about them. But it gives but you it a gets reference. Me into their energy. And mm-hmm. I can very, very quickly do things like clothing, how they died. Uh, pet phrases to certain people, events that people know. And then when my person says that is absolutely Uncle Robert, then they can, I literally can channel the deceased, and they have conversations. Not all mediums do that. Oh, that's really nice. Do people, do people get what they need and then find peace with the passing of the person that they love a lot of the times? I hope so, but... The thing is, sometimes when people know that they can get their dead husband through me, they'll come back two and three times to talk to them. <laughs> and after about the third time, I'm a good bartender, and I cut them off. <laughs> it's time to they, move they, on they, to the living. The needs to move on. Yes. You need to move on in your life down here. Yes. Now, sometimes our dead people will want to hang out with us for a while. It doesn't mean they're trapped here. Because remember, the personality is only a little bit of the soul. Right. So the soul is fine. But the personality may be down here. My own father, who was my best friend and I loved dearly, died about a week before 9-11. He was a superb cardiologist. So whenever I'm asked to do medical intuitive stuff, especially if it's cardiac related, he will pop in. Oh, that's great. Yeah, my dad um, passed, passed on almost 10 years ago, and he pops in in different formats a lot just to check in, let me know I'm here you're doing great. I'm proud of you. I love you. I'm here to support you. And, and, and those come in ways that I understand. In a way that he and I communicated together, it, it makes sense to me. I'll, I'll see something and go, ah, that's dad. He's telling me something. Things like that. But I don't see them in the same way that you do. Well, I don't see them standing here like, you know, bewitched or close <laughs> to Mrs. Muir. What I generally get is I'll get a heat shimmer or sparkles in my peripheral vision, mm. and then, boom, the vision will hit me um, third eye internally. Mm-hmm. And I know when I'm seeing something that they're doing or I'm just imagining it. And all I can tell you is it feels different in the brain pan. Oh, yeah, that I understand. And so I want to pull us to just a different part of who you are. There's a book series by Robert Schwartz that you... That's how I found you, actually. I read this book by this man and was just like, oh, I, I actually believe this. I get this, what this man is saying. And he references you in the book, and I called you, this is years ago, to, to have a session with you because of this book. I remember. 
<laughs> Do you want to tell us a little bit about about the book and, and, and also how did you get involved with him? All right. Uh, Robert Schwartz is an amazing author. We have two books now. We have the original Your Soul's Plan, which was first published as a book called Courageous Souls, and right. now we have Your Soul's Gift. Um, Rob feels, and, and we, the four channels who worked with him, uh, I think it's now up to six because we had two new ones in the second book. Uh, you know, people think of karma as carrot and stick, and it's not. Um, going with the first book, since that's, that's the simpler one, there are four ways to look at karma. There's right. unbalanced energy. Notice that is a neutral. It's not a good or bad. Healing, service, and contrast. Contrast, if you want to look at abundance, you can't just be Donald Trump. You also have to be a water seller in Calcutta. Okay. Okay. And Rob was online looking for people who could do past life work, et cetera, et cetera, contacted me. Uh, we hit it off. Uh, I read for him. He felt it was on target. I then introduced him to my very dear friend, Stacy Wells, who actually is the core of the first book. She does superb work being able to actually get to people's pre-birth planning sessions. Right. That's the and stuff that I found that. fascinating. And for me, it gave me a lot of comfort that, and it also made me feel it definitely helped pull me out of any victim mode that I might have had been left with after all my other work that I had. <clears throat> there is no victim. That's we right. We all Plan go it. through this the best we can. In the great scheme of things, it's a blip, and our souls are not cruel, saying, let's see how much crud I can put you through. Right. They believe that we are strong enough to deal with any challenge. Well, and don't don't we pick our challenges to strengthen our soul or our experiences as an entity, as a human? You know, as if we come down here, we pick the family and say, okay, this is going to be interesting. We do that. Um, you know, a lot of people get confused. Well, if we do our pre-birth planning, what about free will? And there's a very easy way to think about it. If you, all right, let's take me. I went to Brown University. I was a theater major. Mm -hmm. I knew I was going to graduate with a theater degree. That's right. like pre-birth planning. But it was my choice whether I was going to take a bunch of gut courses or all the honors level courses and, and, and that would be six times as much work. That's your free will. Right. You can get through life easily with a bunch of gut courses, or you can really put yourself through a lot of things to learn the same lesson you plan for. Either way, you're going to graduate. That's right. That's right. Yeah, that's, that was the things in the book that I, that it just, I felt it was empowering. Another way to, to look at my life in, and be empowered by it instead of being sad by it or having, oh, this happened to me and look what's wrong with me now because this happened to me. I could just look at it and go, hey, I'm pretty amazing that I picked all this stuff and went through it and came out really okay, better than okay. It, we are so much fed victim mentality in the world today, at least in the United States, that this book is a marvelous antidote to that. Well, don't you feel a little bit like that victim mentality is lifting? I find more and more people less willing to buy into that. In our part of the world, the light workers, the seekers, the people who lead the examined lives, absolutely. Mm -hmm. But if you look at television, oh, what yeah. are the reality shows about? Yeah. Greed and victimhood. Yep. So well, 
Yeah, and I think part of that is just trying to expunge it from our consciousness. Yes. So um, I want to ask you about your, your um, on your website and, and everything that I've read about with you, you have a saying, cross the bridge from fear to fearlessness and fly. Where did that come from? Um, that was kind of channeled. But what it has become is what I call a sentence of passion. Mm. Our sentence of passion is not who we are or what we do or even how we do it. It's our vapor trail. It is our legacy. When we go skidding into heaven <laughs> on ball tires and fumes in the tank and God's hands us a beer and says, so, this is what you get to say, look, I did this. Isn't it cool? <laughs> and for me... Any time that I can help somebody go from point A to point B, right. when they thought they couldn't make it, or whack them on their shoulder, say, here are your wings, you don't need a flight plan, get, I am living my passion. So that's why the sentence. That's exciting. And the raven is your totem. My bird, my boy, yes. Um, Corby is actually Gaelic for raven. Um, oh. I chose a reader's name primarily um, because my husband is a... Yeah, a civil employee, and, and we have to stay public on that level, and I wanted to keep them separate. So That's a good idea. Gaelic for Raven, and Mitleid, the chosen last name, is German, and it means compassion. It reminds me mm. why I do the work I do. So, th- so you just chose a completely different name, and that's your, that's your psychic, um, your work is with that name. Well, I'll be perfectly honest. In the very beginning, yes, I read under my legal name, and used my normal phone number, but when you get calls at 12.30 in the morning from drunk guys asking is their wife going to come home, and if not, can he shag the woman down the street, I kind of decide, no, I'm going to have a reader's name, and they have my cell phone. Oh, that yeah. That get turned off. Oh, my God. That actually happens. How scary. <laughs> well, I swear it happens. Oh, wow. I, you know, I, I love that your husband is so supportive of you, and for those of us who are light workers, at least women light workers, and my husband as well, and Megan's husband, very supportive of us moving along on our path to raise the vibration. And I loved that you said that he said, I believe in you. And that is that in your wedding ring, really? Yes, it oh. really is. And on the inside of his is my hero because he is. Yeah. You know, yep. um, it, we, we're very, very different people. He is a museum director and a historian, so he deals with a verifiable fact. Mm-hmm. And I deal with intuitive stuff. That's right. But he sees how I empower people, how lives are changed, and how I don't go for the Madam Hoo-Ha sequence and wiki-woo, but I try <laughs> to stay as practical with it as possible. <laughs> and he is 100% behind that. That's wonderful. That's, and I, I love what you just said, because you call yourself the practical psychic yes so tell us what that means for me i believe that to be true the first time i i had a conversation with you i felt okay this woman is grounded she's clear there's no nonsense there's none of that well and where i'm not sure of what's happening and what's being said to me i was very clear with everything that you and i spoke about it, it comes down, frankly, to respect for my clients. Mm. They are paying me good money for a certain amount of time. For me to get all fluffy bunny on them and, <laughs> and do a whole bunch of stuff when I can really get down to it is not respectful of their time or their money. It's why I encourage people to come to me with a list of questions 
so we can get to what's important. Right. And the first thing I will say to you when you sit down with me is what's the most important thing you want to walk out of here knowing today. And when people look at me blankly, I get really Brooklyn on them and say, so what's biting your butt, darling? Because everybody can figure that out. Right. <laughs> That's and right. The other thing that I really discourage are yes or no questions. If you said, is my new business going to be successful? Well, I would look to you and say, and what if I said, no, it's going to fail and you're going to live in a box under a bridge? Wrong question. Right. The right question is, how do I make my new business rock? And then I do one of my drill-down tarot readings. Energy around you, your business, the, the idea of the business, the brick-and-mortar location, how to market it, clients, competition, staff, finances, what you need to know, and best possible outcome. Mm. Then you have all of this useful stuff, and you can make it work instead of my just looking at you and saying, oh, I think you should open in August and fire the redhead. <laughs> right, because really that doesn't, there's not a long-term um, plan with that. No, no, it's interesting little sound bites, but it doesn't help you. Right, and I, I believe people are definitely coming to you for help. Yes, they do, but again, the old bartender thing, if you, if, you know, people say, how often should I come for a reading? Look, if I do a reading for you and one month later you come back and say, great, I took all of the, the stuff that we worked on and now my life has moved in this direction and can we look at it again? Absolutely. Sit down and welcome. Mm-hmm. But if I read for you annually for three years and you always come with the same questions and I always come up with the same answers and you come back to me year four, I will not read you. Because mm-hmm. either you're not investing your time in making your life better or you're yanking my chain. Right, and, right. you know, I don't need your money that badly. There are other people who are, you know, I can be useful to. Well, I think that goes along the lines of respecting your clients, but also respecting yourself, respecting your craft, respecting the gift that you bring to the earth. Yes. You come down with a gift, you use it right. It's that simple. Right. But how, you know, because I know a lot of people who would love to have your clarity, but feel floundering. They're floundering. They feel lost. They feel... I don't know how to move through the haze of what I desire. You're very clear. Did that, were you born with that clarity? I mean, just like knowing at nine, of course. no. (laughs) Okay. Well. No, I got a brain by the time I was 40. Yeah. But it took me that long to find the brain. Yep. Yep. Um, When you're doing what you love, when you know you're good, when you also, as a psychic, you get out of your own way, your ego's not involved. It may not make sense to you what you're saying to somebody, but if it makes sense to them, it's all that matters. Right. And if they say no, then you just trust that spirit knows what they're saying. Right, right. Because they'll probably come back to you in three or four months and say, oh, my God, how did you know? wasn't me. I was just a garden host. Whereas John Holland said, I'm the tube. The, t- the tube. I like that. And how about you? When you, I mean, you, obviously you help many people. You have your own. Do you have someone who reads for you, or are your guides pretty damn clear with you? My guides are good, but, you know, when it's something like my health. Yes. I admit my ego is in the way. So there are generally three readers that I will go to. Okay. One of them, of course, is Stacy Wells, who is a superb medical intuitive. Mm. One of them is my dear friend and shaman, Eagle Skyfire, who's uh, in the Philadelphia area. And one of them is certified Terra Master Crystal Wind, who's up in upstate New York with me. Mm. Those are people who are absolute 
straight arrows. They are professionals from the get-go. They do not travel around the answer, but they'll, they'll be right honest with you. So, yeah, but I don't go and, and troll for readings. Very often people will say, well, why don't we trade readings? And, you know, if they need a reading from me, uh, that's fine, but I don't accept a reading from them because they're not going to be able to read me. My shields are quite tight, mm-hmm. and I don't need the reading. Well, <clears throat> I also find as a, as a person who's very intuitive and energetically very open, I have to be careful about who, and not because I might be harmed, but just because I have to be careful. I have to be careful about who I get a massage with. Yes. Well, yeah. well frankly, that's another thing. Um, a lot of people are um, body workers, mm-hmm. and they all say, can I help? And I say, no, thank you, because there are... Actually, there is one that I will go to, and that's Janet Clock of Sacred Massage in uh, uh, right around Groton, New York. Brilliant and superb. And frankly, your body worker has to be clear too, or you're to, you're going to get their stuff. Well, that's it. That's it exactly. And I've I've walked out of massages felt, feeling like I gave somebody a, a fabulous therapy session, and I'm absolutely exhausted and wasted, and need three days to recover. So I'm very, very careful now. Um, that's, just, that's interesting. Um, but so you've actually had some, some challenges with, with your physical life here on Earth. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, I am what I call a three-time cancer dancer. And people look at me and say, huh? And yeah. I explain, I didn't fight cancer because what you fight fights back. Right. I am not a survivor. I hang on by more than teeth and toenails. Mm. I am a cancer dancer. It means I found out how graceful I could be under pressure, avoided getting my toe stepped on, and got off the dance floor in one piece. Wow. I think uh, many people could benefit from knowing how you did that, and I know we don't have time to go in depth on that today, but I would love to have another time with you just to even talk about that because I, I have my own views about healing. Obviously, I'm a healer. Um, so I have my own views about it, but I think it would be wonderful if we could hear more about your type of experience to shift our perception about health and well-being. I'd be happy to do that. Great, great. Um, well, I think are we we are almost at time. Is there Corby? Is there anything that you want to tell us that I missed? No, we've gone over so much, and I could talk for six hours. You don't want to do that. Me, <laughs> well, actually, I do. <laughs> where they can find me. Um, yes. You can always go to my website, which is www.firethroughspirit.com. That's spelled like we were taught in third grade, T-R-T-H-R-O-U-G-H. Uh, you can find me on Facebook uh, at Fire Through Spirit. Like my Facebook page, you can find me on Twitter under Corby Mitlide. And you can always reach me at 877-321-CORBY. I'm kind of all over the map. Well, you're everywhere, um, which is exciting. And I'm so grateful for that because I was able to find you. And then I actually sent a couple people to you. And now hopefully uh, all the people who are listening today will also have an avenue to reach to you. So that's very exciting because you helped me. And I'm hoping that other people hear that and want to reach out as well for some clarity. It has been such a pleasure being here today. 
Thank you so much, Corby. Thank you for taking time out of your intensely busy schedule and, and all the magnificent things that you bring to the earth. I'm very honored you could be with me today. Thank you. You are welcome. And okay, everybody, thank you so much for listening today. And you know where to reach Corby and you know where to reach me. Good vibrations with Kristen. And please let me know what you thought about uh, the interview today, what your experiences with psychics have been, and reach out to Corby. I promise you, you will be very happy that you did so. Kristen is not only the host of Good Vibrations with Kristen, but she's also a professional actress and storyteller. Listen as she shares another magical message. Hi, everybody. I just want to share with you on the heels of this amazing interview with Corby Mitleide, the incredible psychic, um, the practical psychic, she calls herself, um, a little uh, story or an experience I have with um, communicating with someone who's passed, and that would be my dad. When my dad, um, my dad and I had a very challenging relationship through most of my life, and in, he was he was diagnosed with cancer and in the year that he um, fought the cancer because he did fight cancer. um, He had a a spiritual awakening, I believe, and he shifted many, many things and he did an enormous amount of work on healing his relationships with his children and healing relationships within our family. And in that year, he and I became very close and, um, one of the things that we had in common was our love of birds. And the year before he was diagnosed with cancer, I was at my window washing dishes and I heard this, bam! And it was so loud and so powerful that I dropped the dish. And I looked out my window and there on the ground, uh, right next to my window under my tree was a hawk. And it had a bird in its mouth and it was plucking the feathers out of this little tiny bird. And I went, oh my God, what kind of, what kind of, this has got to be a hawk. I've never seen one up close like this. So I called my dad because he knew everything about birds. And we had a very long conversation about this hawk and that it was a sparrow hawk and what their size are and what they eat and, you know, blah, 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 and how exciting. And so uh, after my dad passed away, all of a sudden this hawk started coming to my home all the time, particularly if I was having an issue that I was struggling with. There was something I was struggling with around um, my children going to a certain school that I felt would be really destructive for them. And, you know, were we going to, we were in the lottery for this other school and I was just praying that I would get into the school and I was crying because I'd had this horrible experience with the administrator of the school. And all of a sudden I look up my window and there is that hawk just sitting in my tree right in front of my window. And so any time I was in the midst of something that was really important or challenging or I needed guidance on, that hawk would show up. One day I was, I was, it was something around my business and I was, you know, what, what is the right answer? And I hope I'm moving in the right direction. And I was upstairs actually exercising and I bent over and looked between my legs because I was doing some stretch thing. And behind me in the window on the third floor of my house in a tree that I have never seen the hawk was the hawk sitting there 
looking right at me and I went, oh, hi, dad. Thank you so much. And I knew that I was moving in the right direction. Another time I was driving and for some reason just got to thinking about him and feeling sad after he passed and just thinking, geez, I really wish that we could have had the relationship that we had in that last year, our whole lives. Um, for whatever reason, we did not. But I was feeling lonely for something that I, I hadn't experienced uh, in a in great quantity. And I started crying. And all of a sudden, this big honking Cadillac, Cadillac cuts me off and zooms in front of me. And this Cadillac's got golf stickers all over it. And, I, and my father loved golf. I'm telling you, he loved golf. I looked down at the license plate on this car and it says Bumpa, B-U-M-P-A, Bumpa. And um, all the grandchildren in our family called my dad Bumpa Jim. And so I knew that dad um, was pushing his way in in front of me <laughs> to say, I love you and I've always loved you and I am always here for you and I am always here with you. Before he died, he said to me, um, you know, Kristen Ann, I have uh, such sorrow about the things that we experienced and I just want you to know how proud I am of you and how much I love you. And I said, you know, Dad, if things were supposed to be different, they would, would have been. And I'm just so happy for this moment right now. And he said, it's important for me to tell you that all of the things that you believed in are true. And he was talking about life after death, talking to spirits, being guided, angels, psychic work, healing. And that was probably one of the most powerful moments of my life. And I carry that with me when the hawk shows up to say to me, hey, here I am. I love you. So thanks for listening, guys. Kristen wants to hear from you. Join in on the Good Vibrations Facebook page and share your stories of inspiration. And don't forget to keep checking for the next podcast. <laughs>